the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Um, it is episode 39. It is a Tuesday. Thank you to Jason Skaggs out down there in Houston doing all the great work. Um, he does all the themes and all the music and all the songs and all the sounds and all the craziness for the show. And we love him for it. Thank you, Jason Skaggs. Um, my thanks to everybody at Radio Misfits. Check out radiomisfits.com. That's where you can get our podcast and my podcast there, as well as all over, everywhere you get your podcast. Make sure, hey, when you check out our podcast on any platform, subscribe and listen and all that stuff, make sure you take the time to rate and review us. Please do that. Give us, our, give us your feedback. It's important. Rate and review us on every platform. And uh, give us your feedback and your questions and your comments and your thoughts uh, at voicemails. 773-417-6948. The voicemail line is always open for you 24-7. Anytime you want to leave a message, your support, your questions, your comments, 773-417-6948. Emails as well. We love getting emails. Nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We get a ton of emails. We love reading them. Thank you. I want to specifically thank Barb, who sent a very nice um, uh, email thanking me for the show. Uh, and all kinds of really wonderful stuff on there. So thank you, Barb, and other uh, great emails that we get. And uh, voicemails. We get voicemails. Yes, we do get voicemails. So let's, uh, let's hear one of those. Nick, God, I'm happy to hear your voice again after all these years. Uh, miss you every night on uh, the station that I don't think I'm allowed to say the name of right now due to legal reasons. Uh, miss your dad's joke of the week on Mondays. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. I mean, it wasn't the greatest thing, but, I mean, it was better than Drop Dead Fred or, oh, I don't know, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. So, I mean, it was awful. Okay. Well, thank you for the voicemail. You didn't leave your name, but I thank you for the voicemail. Um, and a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, Top Gun Maverick is actually worse than uh, Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred is, in fact, Citizen Kane compared to uh, Top Gun Maverick, which is an awful, offensive piece of crap. Uh, Also, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, at least as bad as that movie was, it was fun to watch. Top Gun Maverick is not. So I disagree with you on that because Top Gun Maverick is a sack of steaming shit. It's awful. Um, also, um, the radio station, you can't name the radio station. Uh, I can, the radio station that unfairly fired me is WGN, uh, a, a hollow shell pathetic of what that radio station used to be. Uh, but they're the ones who actually fired me unfairly. So yeah, no, I, I don't know if you have a legal problem with them, but I don't, I can say whatever I want to say. Uh, <laughs> and then you say you missed my dad's joke on Monday mornings. Well, it's Tuesday and you'll get to hear my dad's joke today. 
So if you subscribe or listen to the podcast on a regular basis, and I think you do, and by the way, thank you so much for saying that you've missed me and that you've listened to me for a long time. You have no idea how much that means to me, but I just wanted to make sure that you know that every Tuesday there is a new joke from my dad, just like he used to do on Monday mornings. And that's coming up because it is Tuesday. Yes, my dad will be telling a joke a little bit later on. Esmeralda Leon is going to join me. Uh, We have been eating really terrible, weirdly flavored candy, some of which we like, some of which we hate. We're in the booger category right now. We had some booger chewy candy before, and now we're going to eat a booger lollipop. On top of that, we're going to talk about terrible board games from our past. And uh, right after we take a break here for some congratulations. Oh, wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I I love Nick's show. Carrie Russell rules. Anyway, uh, Dan Feinberg is going to join us uh, for some TV talk. Check him out at the fine print, F-I-E-N. Talk to him every other week about TV. Always tons of TV to talk about and some really great stuff, too. So the great Dan Feinberg is is going to join us after I tell you congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackoff. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. All right, that's somewhere else. Excuse me. Wow. (laughs) That somewhere else is L.A. Uh, Dan Feinberg, TV critic that has been a part of uh, my show and now since the beginning of my podcast. Uh, Hollywood Reporter writes for The Hollywood Reporter and has a website uh, and a reviewing world called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. And we talk TV every couple of weeks. Dan Feinberg. Hi, Dan. How are you, sir? I am okay. A happy day after Memorial Day to you, Nick. There you go. Yes. Happy day after Memorial Day uh, to you as well. Uh, we got hit with nice, muggy, uh, almost 90-degree weather. Just about 90-degree weather. Uh, well, it's, pleasant. It's, it's 75 and clear blue skies here. So, right. you, know, you know, just another you know, one of those days. Yeah, you know, that's really, that really reminds me because late last night, um, Defending Your Life was on, was on cable, and I watched it, and that reminds me of the weather report that he sees in Judgment, <laughs> in Judgment City the, the, time, the moment he checks and wakes up in his hotel room, which is so... Uh, uh, and I, you know what? I, I, I watched Defending Your Life again for, I don't know, I don't know how many times, 50,000th time I've seen it. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, I, just uh, I posted on Facebook. I was like, look, I'm tired of it. I'm, really, I'm just going to say it now. Meryl Streep's greatest performance is in Defending Your Life. That's, that's it. <laughs> she is very good in Defending Your Life. So I haven't good. seen Defending Your Life probably in 25 years. But oh, definitely, yeah. definitely, I think it is a, a very, very, very good movie. Yeah, no, sure. you, you should you should fix that. You should really see that. <laughs> you should see it again. I mean, Albert Brooks to me, the the uh, you know, he's, he's he's directed seven movies and five of them are like masterpieces. Um, and what are the watch. two? What are the two that are not masterpieces? Well, and let me say this: the two that are not masterpieces are also good. So, uh, but they're just not. I mean, Mother is okay. one that's not is, is a movie that I really love, but I but I, I really like, but I don't like think it's up to the level of the. And the other one, which I think is the weakest movie he's ever made, is The Muse. 
Oh God, right. I, I, I've completely repressed the existence of the muse. So yes, I am prone <laughs> yeah, to agree yeah. with you. And I, th- those would have been the two that I would have fairly easily been able to take out of the masterpiece yeah. discussion. So yeah. totally fair. And the other ones, I mean, the other ones, I just, it goes without saying, I mean, real life, modern romance, lost in America, defending your life and looking for comedy in the Muslim world. I, they're all to me just extraordinary and i think i think i probably put looking for comedy in the muslim world a a step below also probably a bit above the other two but below the top four if we're sort of setting up tiers i I think it's okay to set up tiers most people most people agree with you about looking for comedy that one i don't know uh, you know i think it's as good as those other four i think it's i think it was uh, uh, you know like a return to form for him he hadn't made a movie in a while that was the last movie he's made uh and that was, what, 2009? So, I mean, jeez. Anyway. I might have even thought it was longer ago than it that. It might have been so. longer ago than that. But I'm, I know it was, yeah, it was a long time ago is all I know. And, uh, and that just, you know, he doesn't need to make any movies, you know, because he's Albert Brooks. But I want him to, so I'm selfish. 2005. Okay. <laughs> oh. it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a long time ago. God, that hurts. Oh. <laughs> yep, anyway. it's, it is definitely a long time ago. And honestly, to me, kind of feel like... It, it feels like it's been a long time since we've had an Albert Brooks movie. I, I would be very happy if he would find a way to be inspired enough to do one yeah. more movie if that's what he's got in him. I know. And if he doesn't, that's cool, because thank sure. you already. Exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's whatever, what whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, speaking of great, incredible comedic artists uh, from the past, uh, the Judd Apatow um, documentary about George Carlin, uh, George Carlin's American Dream, which is uh, streaming on HBO Max and available on HBO in two different parts, two uh, two-hour uh, segments. Um, and uh, I thought it was great. I know that you wrote about it and you reviewed it. Tell me what you thought of the George Carlin Judd Apatow documentary. I thought it was really, really good. I think I, I think I would put it a step below the Gary Shandling doc that yeah. uh, that Apatow did, which was I, th- I thought pretty tremendous. I thought there was sort of a personal connection there that was so indisputable and so integral to the story that Judd Apatow wanted to tell about Gary Shandling that I thought and and also I felt like there was sort of a conscious awareness of the public perception of Gary Shandling and a desire to not necessarily set the record straight but to clarify who he was as a person whereas I, I thought this one you know not necessarily as a a harsh criticism but it was very much a this is the version of George Carlin that you know this is maybe a little bit of peeking behind the curtain but for the most part the George Carlin you thought you knew was yeah. the George Carlin he was yeah. and i mean that's you know if that's if that's the case that's the story he was telling um but i but yeah just spending 4 hours revisiting George Carlin's journey is never going to be a bad way to spend 4 hours i am always distracted and perplexed anytime I see the George Carlin without a beard in a suit <laughs> version of George Carlin. That that yeah. version just makes no sense to me, but still pretty funny. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting to, as you mentioned, um, uh, the, 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 the sight of him without the, uh, uh, without the beard and everything. It is always a little bit strange, um, you know, to see, to see that. Uh, and, and yet, you know, Every early morning here, uh, we have the the Decades TV channel. I know, I think you, you get that out there as well. Um, they uh, they show every morning. Um, they they do two back to back Ed Sullivan's uh, with all the you know old 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 Ed Sullivan's, and he pops up on there uh, pretty frequently. He was on Ed Sullivan uh, pretty frequently back in the early days, and they they touch on that in the documentary. 
But yeah, when he comes out with the suit, the same thing with Pryor. When Pryor does the same, you know, when when Pryor shows up, you know, suit and tie, being really clean, and you can sort it when you when Pryor comes out and does stuff on the Ed Sullivan Show with, um, and and you can see him doing the clean, you, you see him doing the clean material, and yet underneath it, like when he starts to do like voices and sound effects, the same thing with Carlin. Like you can see what they become, you know. And all of that, all of the steps are there. Like all, all you know, all, all of the the blueprint is there, and you can see, especially if you're fans of Carlin and uh, of Pryor, like I am, huge. But you can see a little bit of it. Oh, there's a little bit of mud bone when you're watching Pryor. No, you know <laughs> that hippy dippy weatherman. Oh, that's going to be something. You know, that's going to be him basically. Uh, a little bit later on, it's interesting to watch. No, definitely Pryor is in that category as well. Of there was the there was the very very young version of Richard Pryor. There was something that went around on Twitter that was kind of early young Richard Pryor that also included Richard Pryor singing. And that to me was vaguely remarkable because I don't know, and you can probably just YouTube and whatever. Yeah. Richard Pryor was a remarkably talented singer. Oh, and like like yeah. a like a professional that could have been the thing that he was known for, caliber singer. Yeah. And so that was a fun thing. You know, every once in a while Twitter does something that's worth sticking around <laughs> on Twitter for. It doesn't yeah. happen very often, right. but definitely sometimes. Yeah. You know, um to to get back to the Carlin documentary, I re- I agree with you 100% about everything you said uh in terms of you know, comparing this to the the uh, the, the Shandling documentary, and again that that personal touch, and the fact that Shandling, um, you know, isn't as well known to the to the you know to the to the just the public as Carlin was, um, you know, like it, it, a lot of people who knew who Gary Shandling was. Oh, isn't he that funny guy from that that show on HBO? Whereas like Carlin became an American you know institution, so getting that insight into into Shandling was a lot was a lot cooler. But there was stuff in the Carlin docu- Carlin documentary that. I thought it was like really like all of the uh, all of the footage you were you were talking about how it's, it was weird to see like early sort of mid prior doing his bit on a on a variety show maybe singing I was again I I was aware of this but to see the footage of him of Carlin on that goddamn John Davidson thing uh, <laughs> was re- was really like especially the opening you know the opening bits. Uh, uh, you know, we're like, hey, here's this wacky bit, and here's that wacky bit, and then the Tony Orlando, and I remember him on Tony Orlando and Donna. <laughs> I I remember that. I I, I absolutely remember that. Uh, so it was it was interesting to see that kind of footage too. Yeah, I definitely do not. I mean, I remember my earliest Carlin memories are childhood of of comedy of those early comedy specials on HBO, and then really Bill and Ted, and then subsequently catching up on yeah. who he was and who he had been. But definitely when Bill and Ted came out and oh, I was yeah. sufficiently young, I had not really had a point of reference for George Carlin other than that. So yeah, and I'm glad I'm, that I'm glad they had Alex Winter on talking yeah. about him on the, you know, in the movie. That was that was nice to see. It so. was. It was. And, and uh, you know, Alex Winter, by the way, I'm, I'm a, uh, one of the hosts for this horror convention every year um, of which I do Q&A's and moderate stuff and interview people. And Alex Winter's coming to our convention. He's coming to the flashback convention. Oh, nice. I'm very, yeah, I'm very excited to talk to him, not just about like Bill and Ted and all the other cool stuff, but like he's become uh, a, a pretty great documentary filmmaker. And I'm looking no, forward he, to it. He, yeah. he is very busy and has carved out, you know, a career. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. When he popped up for the first time in the documentary, I was like, well, that's kind of random. And then like 15 minutes later, I was like, oh, yeah. right. Yeah, that's, that's right. why he's there. Right. Honestly, and I had the same thing briefly with Kevin Smith also. Like, yeah, I. Me, I they- <laughs> 
They, it didn't happen with Alex Winter for me, but it did with Kevin Smith. I'm like, why is Kevin Smith? Oh, that's right, because I'm not a fan of Dogma. I'm like the only person that doesn't like that movie. And uh, so I'd forgotten about that completely. <clears throat> and then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's in Dogma. And it totally and, makes and, sense. And, totally and, Jersey, sense. and Jersey Girl also. There, there are a couple Jersey, things oh, that they did Oh, that's right. Together, He's a Jersey but, Girl. But I had forgotten on both of those, and it took me a couple seconds for it to yeah. click in and be like, oh, that's why that person is showing up, as opposed to just, oh, look, it's stand-up comedian X, Y, or Z right. who idolize him. I, I kind of enjoyed the busting of Jerry Seinfeld's chops. Uh, that was always <laughs> yeah. satisfying for me. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I had Sally Wade on my show. Uh, that's, that's George Carlin's uh, second wife. Um, I, had her, <clears throat> I had her on my show when her book came out. And it was a pretty wonderful interview. They had a very interesting and crazy and weird and sort of wonderful relationship, um, um, which was which was a lot. I had she's she was an interesting woman, and she's in the the doc as well. Um, so, you know, and I'd seen interviews with his daughter before, et cetera. They were no, it, it's to- totally worth watching. And if you're a fan of George Carlin, chances are ninety five percent you've already watched it. But if yeah. you haven't, it's on HBO Max. Check it. It out. is, and it's terrific. And and I just want to say the MVP for me, of the doc was his brother Patrick, who passed away just in April. <laughs> Every one of his interviews was just hilarious and great and insightful and, sh- like, shockingly honest about the home life that they had as kids. Um, and just dropping F-bombs all over the place, which, <laughs> which, uh, which for some reason made me very happy to hear George Carlin's older brother just dropping F-bombs, you know, naturally, like it's the natural way he talks, and that made me feel very happy, so... He was terrific, and it was a good last send-off type tribute for him at the end. Very cool. All right, well, uh, there there was that. That's available on HBO, uh, recommended highly. Um, So let's let's get to it. Everybody is – I have not started watching it yet because I'm not as as insane about the show recently as most people are, but I guess that what's – I mean, the huge thing is Stranger Things, yes? Absolutely. That is the thing that the kids have been talking about this weekend. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get into what you have. You seen the entire season? I have seen. Well, everything with Stranger Things at this point has strange little asterisks next to it. So uh, I have seen the seven episodes that premiered. That is that is all that we have seen. And then it is coming back for an additional two episodes in later later in July. The additional two episodes are. I think 95 minutes and two and a half hours long. So a very, very strange thing has happened to Stranger Things, which was once this cute little show with a shoestring budget that did everything kind of in the early Spielberg mode of we have no money, but, you know, we're going to find a way to make you feel why things are spooky. It's all going to be compensating for our lack of budget. You know, we're going to do these little 45 minute episodes. It's going to be small. It's going to be tight. It's all going to be set in this little town in Indiana, small, small, small. And now it's a show where of the seven episodes that premiered this week, every single one is over an hour. Only one is 62 minutes. Five of them are 70 to 75 minutes, and then the finale is a whopping 98 minutes. The last two episodes of Stranger Things will take you roughly the same amount of time as it would take to watch The Godfather. And that's just not really and truly the way a TV show is supposed to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think you know that, that kind of, in a nutshell, represents why I've grown disenchanted with the show. Um, because it's not what it used to be. I know that might be sacrilege, you know, to say that. I, people love the show. People are going apeshit on my feed with it, and they're going nuts. And and I look, I'm, I'm I am 
happier than anybody could be for Kate Bush right now. <laughs> you know, uh, that makes me very, very happy. And I love the fact that maybe people, young people who have no idea who she is are now getting turned on to her music. I love that. And there are certain effects that the show has that I, that I like, meaning, hey, maybe people will go back and see some really cool stuff from that time period. But I've just, the sheen has worn off completely for me. And I am in no hurry to watch the new season. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's the way I feel. Um, I don't know. The interesting thing is, while a hell of a lot of stuff happens in the season, I, I feel as if probably the number of things that could actually be spoiled for you are, are fairly low. I mean, obviously, people have spoiled the centrality of Kate Bush to the season, so uh, yeah, but that, yeah. that apparently is, is an incentive. Um, so I don't know that it's it's urgent to get to it, it's which is also probably a reflection of the storytelling. No, in in my review, what I said was that this is the biggest, scariest, most ambitious season of the show ever, and I think that is true. I think a lot of the things that I have complained about about the show, like for example, the upside down just being kind of a thing, but no one having a real sense of what the mythology of the place was, or a lot of the characters being terminally underdeveloped and and how somehow the characters haven't advanced or developed over the years a lot of the things that i've complained about they really do make an effort to do this season so full credit to them on that i also said in my review and i think this is very true it is easily the least charming least human season of the show to date. So if you kind of like the the pleasant nostalgia of the early seasons, there's very little of that. It's mostly kind of high octane. Here is the next big set piece involving, you know, incredibly expensive special effects, which all look fairly good and, you know, scary things in the dark and lots of time spent in the upside down. All of the things that the show had used sparingly, it uses to extremes and you find yourself kind of reaching out, finding the little things that you find funny or charming and maybe wishing there were a few more of those. And that was that was my feeling about it. it you know, then also the length is a problem because the length reflects a lack of awareness of episodic storytelling. These yeah. are yeah. all episodes that every single one of them could be 15 to 20 minutes shorter, but also... Every single one of them could have been processed through the editing differently so that this really and truly could have been a 13-episode season of television instead of nine. Presumably, it's all contractual. It's all about how it costs Netflix more money to, you know, have people make 13 episodes as opposed to nine. And so that's what we get. And instead, the money gets passed along to the special effects. And then Netflix complains about how Netflix is losing money or Netflix has to make staff cutbacks or Netflix right. has to trim its animation department and all I can do is go, gee, maybe if these episodes of Stranger Things had been 55 minutes and maybe a little bit more insinuating and a little bit less on the nose with the effects, maybe it could have had an extra 50 to $100 million to do other things with. But yeah. whatever, not my yeah. money. <laughs> it is, yeah. however, my time. And no, the show true. is a little exhausting. <laughs> and uh, Well, uh, the, the thing for me, now, obviously I'm not, again, I haven't watched any of the new season at all. Um, and I barely remember what happened. At the end of season three, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, but is, is at least, I mean, is is Winona Ryder used well? Is David Harbour used well, or are they even in it anymore? I don't know anymore. 
<laughs> uh, David Harbour is there. I mean, they're both absolutely certainly in it. Uh, initially, at the end of last season, there was some is Hopper dead? Is David Harbour coming back? And then they decided they had no particular desire to make that into anything spoilery. And so they've been promoting his involvement extensively. There's been no there's no surprise to his being alive. And he's he's kind of off in his own storyline in the Russian gulag. And you know, it's not bad. I What I said in my review there is that probably you could have pulled the hopper bits from every episode, which would have trimmed 10 minutes from every single episode and done like a, okay, meanwhile, while all this is happening, here's what happened with Hopper, Hopper's standalone episode. And I think the whole season would have flowed better. No one cares what I think. And <laughs> that's fine. And look, I'm what I'm always glad about is any time something big comes out and it's uh, it actually is a communal television experience. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's no question people were talking about Stranger Things this week. And also, again, I don't dislike Stranger Things. I really like Stranger Things. In fact, I just wish I liked it a hair more in terms of what it's evolving into. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's out. Well, we don't need to tell you it's out there. Jesus Christ. I mean, I hope it... <laughs> Open your ears and eyes, and you'll hear all about it. Um, so, Stranger Things. I'll get to it at some point, I promise. And it'll, be, and it'll be just fine when you get to it. It'll take, you know, you just have to know that you're not setting yourself up for seven or possibly, if you wait a couple more months, nine 50-minute episodes. You're, that's, a, that's a lot to binge. I'm kind of yeah. impressed by the number of people who, who committed to the full binge of it all. Oh, I've, there's a lot of people who have. I mean, people Absolutely. Love, Absolutely. People love the show, man. Okay. <laughs> Hey, uh, the ATX TV Festival is coming up this weekend um, in Austin, Texas, and you, you know, you these festivals are starting to happen again, um, and and people are starting to travel and go go places again uh, after being stuck inside and doing a lot of these TV festivals and film festivals and things like that virtually. But you're actually going to Austin for the ATX TV Festival. Tell me all about that. I am actually going. It is the first trip of this kind that I've done in the past two and a half years so a yeah. yeah, little, yeah. little nervous about it uh also not completely sure about any number of things related to texas so that is yeah. that is a concern yeah. but yes the last two years have both been uh virtual and so i've done zoom panels for the atx tv festival but it's it's an annual festival in austin and this is this might be the 10th i've sort of lost track because of the past two years but yeah. <laughs> it's it's a really it's a really really fun festival it's a really good way to get together a bunch of just a bunch of people who love tv and they usually do a pretty good job of organizing panels and I go and I moderate a few things I sit on a panel if someone wants to do something with critics talking about criticking and so I will do that it starts on Thursday for anyone who happens to be in the Austin vicinity I'm fairly mm -hmm. sure there are tickets available and so Thursday I'm doing a uh, one of those sitting on a panel kind of things where we're talking about pop culture in vague ways. I'm not completely sure, but we'll see. It's bound to be fun. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Well, the, you, well I mean, hey, you can do it. You, hell, you, you, you're on my podcast, for Christ's sake. You can talk about anything. Exactly. That's <laughs> and, and so for, like, for things where I'm on the panel, I can take some solace in... I can pretty much answer anything anyone wants to ask yeah. me. So that's, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I will do more preparation for the panels I'm moderating on... The Friday, I'm moderating one panel with a bunch of executives about kind of the future of the TV industry. It's a very big topic, but it's a lot of 
good executives within the industry who will talk about sort of where things are are going. And then also that day, I am moderating a panel for one of your favorites, a little mm. show called Evil, which will be refer- oh. returning for season three oh. in just a couple weeks. I know. So, I'm, just, I'm counting the days. You know um, how people. You know how people are with Stranger Things. I am that way with Evil. I, like if 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 Paramount Plus actually just did put all the episodes out at once, you you wouldn't see me until I was done watching it. <laughs> um. So th- so this is I believe I think the season starts on the eleventh of June. June twelfth. June twelfth. Okay. Yeah. I, I I should have known better than to assume you would not have that information <laughs> at your disposal. Right. Um. So yeah. So that panel is going to be with the three stars. So it will be with oh. uh, Katja, Asif, and and Mike Coulter. Oh, and so so jealous. So that jealous. Sh- that should be fun. I am looking can forward you, can, to that. Can, can you send my love to Katja for me, please? Tell her. If it comes up organically, yes. <laughs> if it is not organic, Damn I may it. pass. But, but if somehow the topic gets around to, <laughs> I don't know. I will keep my ears out to make sure that I am there if it comes up. Thanks, um, <laughs> and then, And then Sunday I'm doing a, a panel uh, with a bunch of... It's it's about sort of the state of intellectual property and franchising. So it's with uh, Walking Dead uh, showrunner Scott Gimple. It's with uh, Joby Harold, who is the showrunner of the current Obi Wan Kenobi show on Disney Plus, and a couple mm-hmm. other people. So it should be a lot of fun. And also, I'm gonna go and get queso, and I'm gonna have yeah. a couple shiners, and I'll probably go somewhere and stand in line and, and get some brisket, and yeah. it'll be it'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Well, cool, uh, Austin. Great, very very cool town, despite the state it's in. Uh, so, um, ATX TV festival, that's another festival I've, I, 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 maybe you've mentioned it to me before, but it's, uh, how many TV festivals are there now? Uh, there are a bunch and they're of different kinds and, uh, you know, I haven't, honestly, I've, this is one that I've, I've gone to semi-regularly going back now, you know, eight or nine years because I like the organizers. The organizers did this entirely from scratch. They started with nothing and and they built it up to something really, really solid. So I like them. I like supporting them. I like the community of it all. Again, I like the brisket. I like the queso. So those are big. But there's there's also Series Fest, which is in Colorado. My my THR colleague, Angie, uh, Angie Han just sat on the the jury for the independent pilot thingy of it all. And so she said that was fun. I've never been to that one. They do a television festival each year in Banff, which one year I would like to go to because it looks Mm. gorgeous. I've moderated stuff on Zoom the past couple of years for it, but I've never actually been. There's one in Atlanta that I've done once that was really again a lot of fun there i i love that people are are doing things like this it's a good way to get tv fans together it's a good way to get talent together and so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to being back to doing something like that in person but also you know vaguely terrified by the you know strange crowding of yeah. it all but yeah it's all good <laughs> all right okay um, uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about a, a couple of things before we get to more of the reviews and some of the newer things that people might want to uh, hear about. Let's go back and talk a little bit about, here's a, have I ever, maybe we can talk about this in length at some point, uh, during another visit when we, when I, maybe I've prepared you and not thrown a, a monkey <laughs> wrench at you. Um, have you, do you have any shows, anything that pops into your head? And again, the next time we do this, maybe, you know, when you're prepared or I'm prepared, 
Um, have you ever felt alone watching a TV show? Like, for instance, you know, like, like I'm sure you have, because it's like nobody else watches it for some reason. You really, you really love it, and you're dedicated to it, and you're like, man, I feel really alone, um, especially in the world now of social media when no one is talking about this show. None of your friends care. Nobody really cares, <laughs> and yet you really like it. You like it a lot, and you watch it, and you feel you're all alone. For me... That show for this season just ended, and that's Welcome to Flatch, which no one, no, no one likes but me, and I really, really like it. And when I, when I watch it, I feel like, when I watched it this season, I was like, yeah, I'm, kind, I'm the only person watching this show. Have you ever felt alone on that island with a show or two? Well, I, I often do, uh, but because of what I do when yeah. I'm feeling alone yeah. on something, basically anytime I have a conversation with you or anytime there's dead air on the regular podcast, I do a THR TV's top five or anytime that I'm talking with any human being on Twitter, I, I always make some effort to bang the drum because I don't know, talking about the things that no one is watching that I love are, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do because then people maybe find things, of right. course. Then I, do the, I do the same thing, too, Dan. I do the same thing on, on social media and, you know, on, on this, for, on this you know, when I, have a, when I have a voice, I scream about stuff like Welcome to Flash. And you're obviously not alone. It did get renewed. So oh, good. I, I figured it wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the sort of the strange state of the television industry and the fact that probably it doesn't cost anything to make. And so it lets them stay in business with Paul Feig and other things, um, you know, things like that. So yeah, yeah. there are kind of reasons why you would want to keep that show around, even if the only person to watch it is Nick DiGilio. <laughs> um, and also, you're, you're a coveted demographic. I, I don't want to make it seem as if... You know, people aren't making shows just for you. Uh, but no, there, there are always shows that I feel that way. And there are shows that I feel that way even after I've spent months and months and months telling people they need to watch shows. Like, you know, going back to my top 10 from last year, I do not know a single person other than me who watched Angela on um, Anna, rather, not Angela, Anna on AMC Plus, the post-apocalyptic Italian drama that made my top 10. I, yeah. And I've been telling people to watch that one month after month after month. And yeah, I you've, mentioned it. Other... You've, you've mentioned yeah. it several, several times on this show, yeah. And, and so if anyone has AMC Plus, allow me to say one more time, Anna, it's really great. But I, I sort of make my piece that it's a little Italian show, so lots of people won't watch it because of the subtitle. It's a show about a pandemic that decimates the world's population. I understand people wouldn't want to watch that for that reason. And then it's on AMC plus a service that X number of people have and X equals something low. So yes, it happens all the time. And you know, all, yeah. all any of us with any sort of platform can do is try to tell people where the good things are and hopefully they get found. Yeah. Well, I always, I love welcome to Fletch. I don't care. I, I do. And, and I, I love the two leads so much. I think, they're so sweet, and I find I find the show sweet and funny, and I like the characters. And I know it's derivative of other shows that a lot of people consider better, but in that world of uh, of you know your kind of handheld office knockoff mockumentary stuff, I really like it. I I, I really do. Um, Don't, so, no no need to apologize on this one. No need to be apologetic. <laughs> Love it. There are plenty. There are still some shows that probably I would tell people they maybe want to be embarrassed for liking. Yeah. But not not that one, okay. and not most things. Honestly, most things. Everyone's got to love what they love, and you know who who in these trying times is going to tell <laughs> someone not to watch something that makes them happy. Well, speaking of happy, um, uh, I, last night I watched uh, the 
sixth episode of Barry of uh, the HBO, obviously, hitman comedy show with uh, Bill Hader. Not just with Bill Hader, but created by Bill Hader and written and a lot of them between him and Alec Berg, directed by Bill Hader. Um, and uh, you told me a few weeks ago that I would be very happy with the special guest star cameo um, in uh, episode six. And, and yeah, uh, yeah, Dan, I was. <laughs> I mean, even if you even if it wasn't someone who was well established as a person who is your favorite. And honestly, I don't think there's really any reason why we can't say who. it yeah, is. Yeah, no, we can now. It's Vanessa Bear. Yeah, it's Vanessa. Vanessa. It's Vanessa Bear. And I didn't understand why HBO wanted people to not reveal it anyway. I don't know why that was something they wanted to keep a secret, but whatever. And everyone's got to do what they got to do. Uh, so even if Vanessa Bear is not one of your favorite people, that is a a wonderful single scene you can be yes so so totally recommend regardless and then it is the, the sixth episode is so well oh, directed and so, so assured yep. in what it yep. does that yep. uh yeah no it, and uh bill Hader's actually apparently going to be directing every episode of the next That's what season I heard. of the fourth season I so good <laughs> That's really it, good it's not like alex berg does a bad job but alec berg is you know maybe not as visually inventive or as engaged with the kind of action stunt driven side of things. And some of the stunt work oh, in man. last, in this week's episode was yeah. really tremendous. Incredible. So incredible. Yeah. I, it, and it's, I watched it twice. It was the last time I did that with an episode of Barry where I watched it immediately afterwards was Ronnie Lilly, uh, which was also directed by hater. Um, I just, I am so amazingly impressed by, um, by Bill Hader and what you know what he has become uh, and how his talents have 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 become so widespread now and he's a director he's a terrific incredible imaginative smart beautifully intelligent director um, something that you couldn't have told me 15 years ago when I saw him I was like he's a fantastic one of the best I think one of the best cast members in the history of SNL uh, and you know and I mean that uh, you know and and to go into this world and become what he's become now. Uh, it's it's beautiful to watch. It really is just to see him develop in so many different ways. And anyone who's ever listened to an interview with Bill Hader, even back in his earliest days on SNL, he has always been a gigantic film nerd. And so to me, it's not hugely surprising that yeah. when he gets behind the camera, he has a very assured sense of visual style, of pacing, of tone. So I'm, I'm not shocked to discover that he is as talented as he is, but it's still very pleasant to watch and to watch yeah. him evolve and, and you know, to watch the show become more and more whatever the weird thing that <laughs> it, he wants it to be yeah. is. <laughs> and it's weird. I mean, the show, you can't, you can't really, I mean, I don't know what it is anymore, but I love what it is. And it's funnier and smarter than it's ever been. Like this season, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier when we talked about this, you know, maybe a couple of episodes ago when you said, like, I don't really care what's going on, you know, with the Chetkins, uh, Chetkins and, and I don't care about this and I don't care about that. But what the show really does is bring you in. And also everybody in the show is given such a wonderful showcase. Like every, I mean, like Vanessa Bear is in that, what is it, a four-minute scene? Maybe. She's in it for three minutes. And it's spectacular for her. And so many other great performances. We, you know, obviously Henry Winkler gets himself an Emmy for it. He's amazing in it. And some of the support of Stephen Root, who is like, 
I mean, that guy is just a, a blessing to have in the world. And then people like, I mean, Joe Montaigne's hilarious in it. And Laura Sangiacomo shows up. And it's, you know, it's people like that. And, and, and they're getting nice, beautiful stuff. And I know that it's, it's, like, it's probably like haters like, wow, you know who I really like? I like Laura Sangiacomo. Let's get her in. You know what I mean? And hey, Joe Montaigne, he's not doing a lot of work. He rules. Let's get him in, too. And I love the fact, you know, and my, you know, Vanessa Bear is my old friend. We were on the show together. Let's have her have a great scene. And I love that that's something that Hader is doing, you know? Absolutely. And still finding ways to make sure that the core cast gets things to do, because oh, yeah. I'll just keep saying it. Sarah Goldberg has never been better. Yep. And, uh, and she has really become, to me, so integral to the show. And her plot line for the first couple seasons it wasn't always one that I necessarily understood. I, I just yeah. really didn't get what the, that relationship was, especially in the first season. With each passing episode, I understand it better and better. And I think a lot of that has to do with how well she plays she's, she's a great. really tough part. Man, the scene, the scene where he's like, well, you know, I'll just I'll scare him. I'll go when he, when he talks about taking pictures while she's asleep. The whole, <laughs> that whole thing where she realizes you got to get out of here right now. You're a lunatic. <laughs> and the way that Hater handles that. And, and just in this past episode where um, she's reading the message that she got from Bill, Bill or that she got from Barry on the phone. Yes. <laughs> it's hysterical. It's great. It is, it is a really, really good show. I'm not sure if we've been given additional episodes or if I've simply been ignoring them because I haven't had time to get to them. So maybe okay. I have a couple episodes lurking right. on my screener site and I should be watching well, them. Cause... It, continue, it continues <laughs> to be great. I'm glad it's coming back, and I'm glad that uh, Bill Hader is going to direct every episode the last time. And this episode six of this last, just uh, not just because of the, the incredibly funny, wonderful scene with Vanessa Bear, but everything about it. I mean, the motorcycle stuff, the, uh, just... <laughs> it was just so funny and so good. He's got such a distinctive comedic voice as a director as well. It's great. It, the show is great. Now, do you think maybe they didn't want Vanessa Bear? They didn't want people to mention Vanessa Bear because, like, she's almost direct competition for the Sunday night lineup now on I... HBO because she has a show on Showtime that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that may be a show that only Nick is watching. Yeah, um, I guess, it might be. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think so. I think they just sort of viewed it as being a little bit of a surprise because of the SNL reunion of it all. And so they decided yeah. to keep it secret. To me, I don't know what real purpose it served to keep it secret. No, I but, agree. But when I get asked not to reveal things, I, I don't reveal them. Right. I'm right. well behaved, uh, right. but but yes, I I don't know why they were being so coy about it. But it is only well, one scene; it's only three minutes, and it yeah. is just great. It's hilarious, and I will say this: I gasped when she showed up. I went, "Oh!" <laughs> I got I was literally like, "Oh!" And because I had I had, and actually because I had caught up with that stuff on my DVR, I didn't watch it, you know, when it when it was being shown. So I caught up with it late last night. Very, or I'm sorry, the night before, the night before last, uh, late. And so I, wa- I had watched I Love That For You first, this week's episode, I Love That For You first, and then Barry. And I just finished watching her show, I Love That For You, which is Vanessa Bear's show with Molly Shannon uh, and Jennifer Lewis. And, and then Martha Kelly shows up. And I was like, what is happening? It's like, what, let's take all hilarious women that I love and throw them into one show. And, um, and she plays uh, Molly Shannon's astrologer, <laughs> who she owes 25 grand to for her. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, the show is hilarious. Are you watching I Love That For You, or have you, have you given up on it? I haven't exactly I haven't exactly given up. I just haven't watched any after the third. So oh, I've, okay. I've seen the well, first Martha three. Well, Martha Kelly's on it. 
Martha That's, Kelly shows up. That is both always good to know, but also Martha Kelly is doing a lot of work. She's on uh, she's on Hacks this season. She's on Gaslit on Stars. She is she is making sure that she is out there, and I am <laughs> and I am happy because she is extremely funny and extremely talented. But yes, she is all over the place lately. Yeah. Well, the the last episode she's she plays. Uh, Molly Shannon's astrologer and it's as funny as you would imagine that just the two of them talking about you know about stones and astrology and the fact that she Molly Shannon owes her 25 grand for the sessions I it's just I don't know just watching them and everybody else on the show all the women on that show are hilarious they're all great and this is a um a season for um Jennifer uh uh Jennifer Lewis um uh, on on uh, I love that for you uh, from Blackish. Uh, it is why am I yeah, correct? Yeah, Jennifer Lewis. Yes. Why am I blanking? You know why? Because she's got one N in her. First exactly. Name. No, no. I yeah. heard when you, when you pronounced it. I heard you pronounced it with the only with only one N. I was I was listening. Yeah, I was, I was listening. Getting, I don't know why I was getting. But anyway, it, this is a, this is one of those deals where, and I know you're not you're, you haven't caught up with it yet. But this is a she's got an arc now. Something happens to her character um, where she has an arc now. Uh, that I think they need to start sending stuff to the Academy for Emmy consideration. Hmm. Like it's that it's that it's first of all, she's great in everything. She's great on the show, but it's clearly like supporting actress Emmy time for her on this. Huh? Well, I mean, I always thought it was a bit of a disappointment that she was rarely in the conversation Emmy wise for blackish as well. Cause she was always a scene stealing wonder on that show that she's, yeah. she's great. And, and I am very happy to hear that they are giving it, her substantive things. If to you do. give, if you get a chance to catch up and watch just for her, um, you know, I know you don't, you, you don't have a lot of time, but, <laughs> um, but, but seriously, I think she's going to be in the, she's going to be in the conversation. Uh, for supporting actors, seriously, because no, she's good. To, good to she's hear, great, interesting to hear. And what they're giving her is meaty and juicy, and her character is the most interesting in three dimensional. I'm including Vanessa Bear's character, even <laughs> though she's the lead. But but she, th- this character, they, the stuff that they give her to do uh, is really interesting and and really grounded in a reality that the show really isn't outside of that. <laughs> um, and she's great. So I, I really think if you're just going to catch up. Uh, with her, just just for her, just for the stuff that she's doing, I think you should check it out. Nope, that's a good sell. I I, so. I appreciate the sell. Yeah. All right. Um. So what 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 else have you been uh, writing about? Anything that we're going to see, uh, you know, on the fine print or in the Hollywood Reporter? Stuff that people can look forward to TV-wise that you're going to be reviewing. There is ever, ever, ever so much stuff coming up. Um, so I've spent a lot of the holiday weekend uh, watching P-Valley on Stars. The second season is coming out next week. The first season was one of my favorite shows. Uh, I think it was eight or nine in my top ten for two years ago. And the start of the new season is is absolutely terrific. It is a show about a strip club in, in Mississippi and the dancers who work there and the town and all of that. Uh, and it is not going to be for everyone and clearly is not a show that should be watched with the entire family. Yeah. Uh, but it is a it is a really really good show and not enough people talked about it in the first season. However, it you know was renewed. I think it won a Peabody. Uh, Katori Hall, who's the creator, won a Pulitzer Prize for her last play. So it's gotten a lot of press, and I would love to see that one get a little bit more attention. And then you know, of course, there was there was the solid month where I did nothing but watch seven episodes of uh, Stranger Things. So I'm perfectly happy that. <laughs> perfectly happy to be done with that but any day now netflix could send us the next two episodes and then i'll have to watch that for another two weeks um yeah. 
But I kid. I like Stranger Things. It's just good God, it could be significantly shorter yeah, each episode. Yeah. So, so the, uh, P Valley is the is the thing that maybe isn't on people's radar, and and I don't want it to be a show that only Dan is watching. So everyone should definitely check out P Valley. The first season is all on demand if you have stars. So yeah, worth okay, checking cool. out. And stars is a, I, I like stars. I think they're I think it's a good network to have. And uh, I mean, I I got it uh, initially. Uh, because my future ex-wife Dana DiLorenzo was on Ash vs. Evil Dead, so I got I got it for that. And uh, but I, and I and I'm satisfied with the with the product that they send out. I think it's a really good thing. Hey, uh, very quickly before before I let you go, um, how did you feel about the four cast members leaving SNL? I know you wrote about it. Uh, what's your opinion of that? I think that as I wrote, um, the the show is at this moment designed for that it, it was very this is the time for these people to leave and so obviously for people who don't know it's uh it's kate mckinnon kyle mooney pete davidson and uh ad bryant and i know right. that several of those people are people you like and a couple are not people you like and half half i like half i don't so and i, th- I think probably <laughs> realistically that's gonna be the same for everyone i think it's particularly true um you know with kyle mooney who's very much a a sort of sensibility kind of comic if you are not on his wavelength yep. you're not suddenly going to become on his wavelength Al- although I like the Bigsby the bear thing that he did I like the, okay. I like that very much uh, I don't know why and it's still the and I try I was like okay maybe I'll like him more on SNL and then I'd go back and watch SNL and I'm like nope still don't like him on SNL <laughs> like I, I th- but ultimately what I think is you know obviously Kate McKinnon is a a huge loss she has been yeah sort of the centerpiece of the show to some degree for seven or eight or nine years you know she's been on it for 10 or 11, but she, you know, there were, there was a long stretch where she was kind of the focus of everything. Yeah, and yep. part of that was because Hillary Clinton was running for president. And so she had to be front and center for that. And she's had other characters who have required her being front and center as well. She's just so good and so important. And so all we can do is miss her. Uh, I think that 80, I, I like 80 Bryant more than you do. And I think that she will be missed as well. I think Pete Davidson honestly won't be, and I don't no, think I agree. that's. I don't I think agree. that that's because he's bad. He yep. just every, just about everything he does though is here's Pete Davidson doing yep. a riff. Here's Pete Davidson doing a, a video, etc. So great, and I do think he's extremely talented. Yep. I just don't think that the show requires him. I agree so, with you a hundred percent, man. I yeah. So so ultimately, with the way I feel about it is, the cast is fantastic, and so yes, I will miss. Uh, to some degree, I'll miss all four of them, but I think there are a lot of great people, and so maybe this is the time that uh, that your favorite Heidi Gardner gets to step up and be in more sketches, or your favorite uh, Melissa Villasenor, who also is just totally ignored yeah. for yeah. long stretches. Uh, I, I think I think the yeah. strongest cast members on the show right now, and I've said this for many many years, and it seems a consistent thing: the women are the best thing on the show right now. Chloe oh, Fine, oh, Chloe, nice. Chloe Feynman is unbelievable. She's unbelievable. Uh, and Sarah Sherman, or Sarah Squirm, as we call her here in Chicago, if you want to go back and, and you know, the connection that she has here as a performance artist and comedian here, because I love her, she broke out. You know, all that stuff that she did on Weekend Update where she was rib and jost is hilarious. Um, and, and she did some great work. Um, so, I, you know, uh, just let the women step up, man. I mean, Kate McKinnon, you know, I think it was time for Kate McKinnon to go. I love her, but, I mean, it was like, okay, that makes sense that she's going to go. Uh, what you said about Pete Davidson, absolutely true. A.D. Bryant, you know, people like her, but she spent a significant amount of time on the show, as Kyle Mooney has. So, to me, those four leaving, 
Makes total sense. And I don't even, I, I don't, I, I'm sure they will, but I don't think Lauren needs to replace them. I think they're fine. I think, I think the cast is fine where it is. How do you feel about that? I think that probably, so, okay, four people out, it would not surprise me at all if one or two more, including at least one of the uh, featured players, doesn't come back as well. I would definitely not replace all of them. I think probably, realistically, at least three of the featured cast members are ready to be elevated to to regulars. You know, that's all sort of contractual and, and silliness yeah. or whatever. But I, right. I definitely think without any question that uh, Sarah Sherman is ready, that uh, I think Andrew Dismukes is probably yep. ready to be a regular. Agreed. And Agreed. then, you know, impressionist guy who's who has three names whose name I'm not remembering. James Austin Johnson? Exactly, him. Yeah. He's I think he's very good for what he does, and so I think he serves a purpose. And look, I, would I love for Punky Johnson to get more... Uh, yeah. screen time because I think she's really funny when she gets to do things yes but I don't know if they're going to yeah. so I would repl- I would probably move a couple of those people to regular and then maybe bring in two new uh feature players but definitely there is no reason to replace all of them the show had between regulars and uh and featured players had 21 cast members yeah. this past season. That's like mid nine. That's mid nineties. It's it's more than that. It's <laughs> it's more than any other time in the show's history. It is it yeah. is crazy and it is excessive, especially if you go back and remember that the show started with seven cast members. Exactly. So yeah. it doesn't have the material for all of that. But uh, yeah, I I think probably they can get away with one or two new people just for a little bit of fresh uh, voice and blood. But otherwise, uh, definitely they should try making more time for the people who they already have. Overall, I thought uh, good season, not a great season. Some episodes were phenomenal and some bits were great. Um, I thought um, Natasha Lyonne was great. Um, I'm not sure why she played a man with a wig and a mustache in two separate uh, uh, scenes. Uh, and one in which where she's just dead and gets carried around and they tickle her, which I found a little bit weird when Fred Armisen was doing it. Uh, <laughs> but they they very they very clearly are simpatico despite yeah. their breakups. So. Right? No, no, no. I yeah. I mean, yeah. I understand. It would have been different if he was doing it to Elizabeth Moss. That would have been a different. <laughs> been a completely different thing. Yes, true story. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I always look forward to uh, you know to see what they do over the summer and 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 all of that stuff and. So, but, uh, but yeah, the four that are gone, I, you know, um, I, it's, it was time, I think, for them to move on and, and do different stuff. So. And you looked at the past few years and, and they hadn't had more than one major cast member leave for a right. long time. There had been a very, very slow attrition. This was time to do a little bit of yep. out with the old and with the new. So it's what yep. it was designed for. Bring yeah. it on. There you go. Okay. Dan, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Hey, I'm sorry, by the way, I bumped you last week, but I had Suzanne <laughs> Vega. I had Suzanne Vega on. So I look, I, un- I understand. <laughs> I, I, I would bump me for Susan Ve- Suzanne Vega also. It's totally reasonable. Right. Understood. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Everybody can check out the fine print, F I E N. Dan, always a pleasure, my friend. Looking forward and, to the uh, next time, man. And I will talk to you the next time. See you later. All right. Uh, Dan Feinberg, uh, he's the best. Check out the fine print Hollywood reporter. You know who else is the best? It's Esmeralda. Esmeralda Leon. Let's hear that song. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Esmeralda Leon. That is really, I mean, that stays in your head, doesn't it, Esmeralda? That song? Oh, of course. It's very catchy. People love it. People love it. As they should. It is fantastic, the wonderful Jason Skaggs. And that's Esmeralda. Esmeralda, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. Good. Doing all right. Good. Very, very, (laughs) very, very good. Uh, We've got some hot weather um, uh, in the Chicagoland area. which I heard. Always makes me miserable. Um, but yeah, yeah, you have to go live in your in your room with the I have to, exactly. Right? I have to stand <laughs> stay in the in my little in my little bedroom where I have the window unit blasting. Um, so anyway, uh, all right. Well, um, so uh, this is Esmeralda, and we all hang. We love to hang out. Hey, by the way, you know who uh, is going to be with us on uh, on Friday? We're going to get a, we're going to get a little visit from a British fellow who has a submarine. Oh wow! Ah, how about that? How about that? It's exciting. It is, yes. Yeah, so I our... hope people know who we're talking about. Well, well... <laughs> <laughs> it's our good friend Slap Slapley. He is our British bon vivant who uh, joins us Ooh. to play play a little round of uh, for the record. So uh, yeah, so very very fancy, by the way. Bon vivant. Bon vivant, vivant. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, that's my French. <laughs> Even fancier. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, so, uh, yeah, uh, Slap Slapley will join us on Friday for a round of uh, For the Record. We haven't done it in a while, so it'll be nice to hear from Slap, do some music trivia. and I don't know which ghost or dead body we're going to be hanging out with, but we'll figure that out, too. Yeah, yeah we'll find out. We'll All find right. out that day. Yep. All right, cool. My dad's telling a joke uh, today because it is Tuesday, so we'll do that. I have a, I have a, a, a very quick... Oh, by the way, someone, Esmeralda, uh, one of our listeners posted uh, when I was when I when I plug uh, the podcast and the new episodes and stuff. I do it all over social media and blanket social media. Mm-hmm. And somebody on, I think it was Facebook, um, said that they think that there is a to 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 go back to what we were talking about before, uh, just then the past episode where we had like uh, scary doll heads that were washing up ashore. Mm-hmm. Remember that crazy, that scary story about the doll heads that were yeah. washing up ashore? Okay. Um, well, someone says that they think that there is a doll factory in Mexico, and that might be a source for where many of the doll bodies, dolls, and doll heads are coming from. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but, like, at least from the pictures, these doll heads looked used. Like, they, they've been played with and they've yep. been living left with with a child right <laughs> but i think um probably some did look just like bald and like just manufactured mm-hmm. uh looking doll heads well as we've said uh esmeralda i don't i don't think there's a i don't, I don't like to think that there's a rational ex- explanation except the, the supernatural world <laughs> is coming to kill us all yeah so doll heads are just they're just jumping into the ocean somehow that- Exactly right. And trying still, to make it to their <laughs> ancestral home? I, I don't know what. <laughs> their ancestral. <laughs> doll land. They're trying to get back to doll village. Yeah, they're trying to get back. And then there they will then um, do some sort of ritual or something that then curses all humankind. See, this is this is our next production. This is the next Esma uh, yeah. Esma Olis production. Yeah, that's our next Esma Olis production. 
doll the doll maybe takeover. We get, maybe we can get a Chucky uh, thing in there, you know? Get, yeah. Oh, there's so many dolls. We could get Fats, the the ventriloquist uh, d- dummy from the movie Magic. Have you ever seen the movie Magic, Esmeralda? No, I'm not oh, watching that. Oh, it's so good. Anthony Hopkins plays an insane ventriloquist. Um, and it also stars Burgess Meredith, the penguin. And uh, and the beautiful Anne Margaret and the wonderful Ed Lauder who likes to hike his pants up. If you ever see movies with Ed Lauder, Ed Lauder is an actor who one of his go to things is he hikes his pants up a lot. Oh, for for <laughs> emphasis. Yeah, and it's just like he's one of these guys. You know, you know how every actor sort of has like a not a gimmick, but it, but 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 sort of something uh, you know a habit that they do. Mm-hmm. Ed Lauder yeah. pulls his. He likes to hike up his pants. God damn it! You be home by eleven, and he's pulling his pants. You know, he's always plays a father who's mad. Pants hike. I'd be curious to see. I would have loved to have seen like when they're rehearsing certain scenes, and he's just. What if I hike up my pants while I'm saying yeah. that? Yeah, he pulls the director <laughs> aside. Genius. Yeah, he pulls the director aside. Hey, listen, I got a really good idea. Bits of business here, man. What if I hike my pants up to my goddamn nipples? What about that? I think it'll it'll add to the scene. <laughs> yeah, he he kind of like when he gets frustrated, he like does his pants hiking. He's in uh, he's in a bunch of stuff. Mm. He's in Real Genius. He plays military and bad guys a lot, but he he plays the abusive oh, okay. he plays the abusive husband of Anne Margaret in Magic. And if you if you were to do a little googly, uh, mm. for if you just googled Fats Magic. Then you could see what uh, that ventriloquist dummy that Anthony Hopkins uh, plays with in the movie looks like. If you just Google Fats Magic, I think it'll pop up. Oh. Do you see? I've never seen that dummy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is it supposed to look like Anthony Hopkins? Is that uh, part he's of the... dre- He's dressed like him, and he is. he plays a guy who's like schizophrenic and goes nuts because of the doll. I mean, he's got the same haircut. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it's that's fats. It, 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 have I ever told you a story when I met Anthony Hopkins? Um, no, he was in town with uh, many of uh, with Jonathan Demi and many of the crew and some of the cast, except for Jodie Foster. God damn it, she didn't come from uh, Silence of the Lambs when they won. Oh. It's it it swept the Chicago Film Critics Awards back in 1991, and in February of '92 we held the ceremony, and Demi showed up and a bunch of other people and Anthony Hopkins. And so I got to meet him and, and hang out uh, and hang. I hung out with. I actually hung out with Jonathan Demi, which was amazing. Even I didn't tell him how much I hated the movie though, because I hate Silence of the Lambs. I was gonna say your movie, movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't like your movie, but okay. Um, but no, Anthony Hopkins. I uh, this now so uh, magic as you can see. Fats is the is the doll, mm-hmm. and he really did um, learn how to do that. How to do the voice, the ventriloquism. He learned it. Like, his lips did not move, and it's really Anthony Hopkins. It's not like a fake. I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins. He's going he's gonna to do what he needs to do for his exactly. role. Exactly. And if that requires learning to be a ventriloquist so that you can actually, you know, operate a very creepy doll, that's cool. So, um, Magic, which, by the way, is a really good movie. Seriously. I mean, and again, if you freak out from dolls, you might not want to watch it because this doll is fucking freaky. There's no question about it. Um, but it came out in 1978. Okay. So when Mm -hmm. I met Anthony Hopkins, it was 1992. So that's, what is that? 14 years after, um, magic. Sure. 
14, like 14 <laughs> years after Magic, 14, yes. 15 years after Magic. And we were at the party afterwards, and I came up to him, and I said, you know, hello, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, um, I, I don't, you know, I'm just, you know, because we were having drinks and stuff like that. He wasn't, because at that point, he, he, he was, you know, he was sober at that point. He gotten sober. He'd had a little issue with alcohol. Mm. Uh, so he wasn't drinking, but I was, which is one of the reasons why I came up to him and, <laughs> and came up to him and said, I said, hey, can you still do fats? And wow. literally, Esmeralda, <laughs> literally, the, 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 the name fats was not completely out of my mouth before he started going, hey, buddy, how you doing? And he did the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> he did. Oh, he did. He, awesome. he started reciting classic lines from the movie. Didn't move his lips. Did he once. hold up his hand? Like he did. A... He held up his hand like he was like he was, ah, and he didn't move his lips, fun. and he just went right into face like, "How's it going, everybody?" And he did the fat, and I was like, oh, "It completely freaked me out." I had to leave. I was like, "I gotta go." <laughs> you have to go. Bye, Anthony Hopkins. Thank you for frightening me. Thank you for terrifying Appreciate it. <laughs> but now that would be a great doll to find. Is fat. I mean, yeah, that would be money. Oh that man, would be are some you money. kidding? <laughs> Ah, uh, you know, I never asked him if he if he still. I bet he still has a, a, at least one. Of, I'm sure they had a, a many of them because he actually uses the doll to kill right. people. So I'm sure that they had mm. <laughs> they had a few of them extra. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's fast. So check out Magic Esmeralda if you want to maybe stay up all night. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, anyway, so so here's a, here's a, 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 a an email from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Sarah, by the way, is a is one of our. Uh, she loves our podcast and loves when you and I talk, and has only kind things to say. She's left voicemails and Aww. emails and stuff. So Sarah says, "Here's what she says. She says, Hey, Nick, I predict that Esmeralda's sunglasses will be found with a creepy doll head uh, on them when they wash up on the shore, and sh- and the doll head will be wearing them." Yeah. So I complete. Yeah. So that, um, I mean, they're going to be human sized sunglasses. So it's going to have to be. Oh, that's creepy. It's going to have to like a human head doll. Yeah. For them to like sit there properly. For them to look like they belong. Yeah. Because <laughs> they won't, you know, they won't sit on a, like a tiny baby doll head. Right. They just couldn't. Right. So, so it's got to cool. be like it. It's a new, a new scary thing to think about. Great, right? Because you were saying that you one of the reasons why why she brought this up and the reason why uh, it, it was mentioned is because you mentioned that you lost your sunglasses when you were in Mexico, and that I did, they yes. they may wash up at some point. Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, they're gonna wash up somewhere. So. Yeah, <laughs> I would love. Or it there'll if they... be a nice, they're a nice home for some fish. <laughs> so I can see some fish, some cool fish is just swimming around with your sunglasses on, and all the other fish are jealous. Yeah, yeah, because like... they took it. I mean, yeah, because it's got the you know, it's got the 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 lens that are darkened, so yeah. that a fish has a little like privacy area, right? Wherever those sunglasses landed. <laughs> that's right. So, but we've got we, there's somewhere out there is a very cool fish. That's that's what I'm thinking. There's a fish swimming mm-hmm. around with your sunglasses on going, yeah, man, I'm, I got a pair of sunglasses nobody else does. So, anyway. All right. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait a minute. Oh, hey, oh, hey. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi. I love Nick's show. I Hi, know, I'm Carrie Russell, I and I, I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. 
Hope you're well. <laughs> I'll give you asthma. All right. I'll give you asthma. So, um, when you were a kid, Esmeralda, now you have a younger brother, correct? No, I have an older brother. Oh, he's older. Oh, okay. Why did I think yes. he was younger? I don't know why. Okay. How many um, years older is he than you? Seven. He's seven? Oh, so he's- Seven actually, years older, yeah. He's significant, not significantly, but he's, that's a good chunk of time. Yeah. No, it is, yeah. Okay, so then I'm assuming that because of the fact that like he's your older brother- uh, and there's a seven year difference that you guys didn't do a lot of stuff together when you were kids. Did you play a lot when you were when you were kids? No, we just no? fought like cats and dogs. That's it, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, board games was that a thing in your house? I mean, your brother seven years older than you. Your parents? Not, not really. No. We had a couple games, um, but they were mainly for my amusement. Which ones? Play that with friends. What games did we you... We had what? Monopoly. Yes. We had... Somebody gifted me... Um, oh, Yahtzee. It was a Disney version of Yahtzee. Wait, wait, I, wait. To this day, I still don't know how to play Yahtzee. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think we've talked I about this. I lost the instructions, and then I never played. <laughs> Yahtzee's so great, though, Esmeralda. It's so... I, I love Yahtzee. Well, well I, I don't... never learned... Well, then what did you do with the, with the Yahtzee Disney set? If you didn't know how to play the game, what'd you do Nothing. with it? Nothing. I just kind of like would like shake them around and like look at them and be like, ooh, look at the Disney characters. And then not know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the on the die, the faces of the die, there were different Disney characters on each side of the die. Yes. And then you would shake them up and like, let's say, oh, I got four Goofies. You know, and yeah, and I would just be like, "Oh, that looks cool." Okay, you know, I I didn't know how to play, uh, and then I so, think I lost the instructions. So it's, uh, I will teach you how to play Yahtzee, Esmeralda. Doesn't Col- does Colin know how to play Yahtzee? He got to know. He's got to know how to play Yahtzee, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't know he if probably does. I don't know if it's high up on your priority list to learn how to play Yahtzee. <laughs> I don't know to learn Yahtzee, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a skill. I've that gotten you're... this far. <laughs> Yeah, you've made it 39 years without knowing how to play Yahtzee. I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Yahtzee's fun. That's one of those the, that's a game that I really love. My uh my ex-wife, my second ex-wife was obsessed with Yahtzee. Obsessed with mm. it. Used to play it all the time. Um she and her friend Jenna. Oh my god. Nothing but Yahtzee. It would be like it would be no. I'm not kidding. It was like okay, if we're you know like like you know we would have cocktails and stuff at home sometimes, and whenever the cocktails would come out and the drinking would start, she'd bust out the Yahtzee. Then she'd get all like you know, you know like have a few drinks and it's like it's Yahtzee time. Wants to play Yahtzee. Yeah. Now, do you know anybody who take who takes that kind of shit really seriously? Like takes games seriously is very competitive. Do you do you know people who are? I think you're. I think you have a little bit of that in you. I would be. Yeah. If I knew how to play. Or even if I didn't, I'd be like, okay, teach me the rules. Okay, got it. Yeah, I'm going to beat you now. Yeah, because that I know I know that. You know why I know that, Esmeralda? It's because every time we do the slap slaply thing or we have some sort of competition, oh, right. yeah. you become unbelievably competitive, and I love it. Yeah, well, I would like to win, please. <laughs> now, games in general, like with your friends and stuff like that, did you have any? Like when you were a kid, did you play the shoots and ladders and the Candyland and any of that kind of all those uh, those child? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. My ex 
loved playing all those really super long games that are boring and and long. Like Risk? (laughs) Yeah, like Risk-esque games. Yeah. Um, He was a fan of, like, Settlers of Catan and all that kind of stuff. And I played once, and I was just bored out of my mind. Like, I can't play for that long. They yeah. just keep playing for hours yeah. on end, and it's like, I can't do this for that long. And then they, they would get mad, like, if you don't take it, like, as seriously as yep. they do, and I'm just, like, goofing on them. <laughs> I, yeah. At one point, I'd just be like, you know what? I'm just going to be the dick and try to, like, just <laughs> any moves you do, I'm just try to block them or do whatever. Like, because I would get bored. I'd be like, this game is too long. Yeah. No, I know. I know that. I know the the those 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 type uh, of people that play those mm-hmm. kind of games, and they love those games, the character role playing games. Um, yeah, they. Oh, it's just the, like I can't. It's too long of a thing. It all started. I think the granddaddy of them all is D anD. D. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. I think you know Dungeons yeah. and Dragons is the big one, and um, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons once in my life. I used to mock people that did. That was one of the things that I used to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, but all the, what was the one you the, the the trials and tribulations of shithead? What was the one that you just said? Uh, Settlers of Catan. That's it. Yeah, the Settlers of Chris Catan. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's, does that it, so? It's one of the one of the things. Do you have to save Mango? Is that one of the things that you have to do? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I would play that game. I would over too. The real I'd, Settlers of Catan. <laughs> I would so play this. Oh yeah, Esmeralda, we would we would kick ass at Settlers of Chris Catan. That would be the be- that would be the best. Somebody game needs ever. to make that. Wow, that would be a hit. I mean, I guess not anymore. He's not as as popular. He uh, would have been good in the Mango he, days. It would have been great in the Mango days. You know, he was just on the recent uh, season of Celebrity Big Brother. Um. Mm. And he left. How He's did like, he I, do? Oh, he left. He voluntarily oh. said, I can't do this. I knew that he would leave because <laughs> I've interviewed Chris Kattan. Actually, one of the last interviews I did before I got canned at GN was I got. Oh, really? Got, Chris yeah, we Kattan. got Kattan. And he was weird. Nice. And, and he was very like um, off, off the air trying to set up the interview was uh, kind of a pain in the ass. Um, mm-hmm. And he's sort of a he's kind of a head case. Um, and, mm-hmm. but, you know, and then, so we set up a time to tape and then like about four minutes into the interview, he's like, I can't do this right now. And he left. <laughs> and then, but we rebooked really, him. Uh... And, and no, what were you going to say? He really what? No, I said, he really takes this. Like if he doesn't like it, he's out. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. He was like, I don't feel comfortable. I'm, I'm leaving. And you know, that Esmeralda, he's the like, last go, thing I Okay. Want... Bye. No, but we were like, okay, all right, cool. So Tom and I, Tom, uh, who, by the way, uh, will be with us. Well, no, actually, his friend will be with us on Friday. Yes. <laughs> slap, slap, play. Yeah. Not him. But he was like, okay, do you not want to? I said, no, let's bring him back. Let's let's do it again. Because I love Chris Kattan, and I wasn't going to be a dick to him. You know what I mean? I respect him. Yeah. You know, I read his book. I am and glad I, that it was recorded. It, well, you imagine just you're on yeah. air, and but, you're like, I got to go. And it's like, what? I oh. Okay. When he came back, we did it live. <laughs> And it was great. Like I had him on, he answered all the questions. Do you think I... so was do you think he was just more comfortable or do you think um because it was live he kinda didn't Oh, Big Brother live 
So it's yeah, not- <laughs> Big Brother is live. But I, but he but I knew immediately that it was not his scene. When I heard that Chris Kattan was going to be on Big Brother, I'm like, he's not going to last two mm-hmm. weeks. And he left after the third week, I think, or the fourth week. He voluntarily is like, I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore. And he, <laughs> he left. That's a but, long time, though. Yeah, yeah, I guess. No, no. You know what? No, I'm sorry. Episodes. So maybe not weeks. So it was like three or four mm. episodes. Um, oh, okay. And the celebrity <laughs> so version. maybe a week. The celebrity version, you're right. Celebrity version is condensed. Because the the regular version is like five, four months long, um, the celebrity version is only like a, about three weeks or four weeks long. So he he split after like the third episode. He's oh. like, I'm out of here. But anyway, oh, when I okay. when, yeah, like when a I, few days in, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm gone. Um, but when I interviewed him, when I finally got him on, and like once the interview started, and he realized like how much I know about SNL and how much I loved his work, and I was mentioning mm-hmm. sketches and details of sketches where he's like, oh. Okay, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. I guess he warmed up to me. Um, but And then it turned out to be great. <laughs> well, that's nice. But, but yeah, but... I'm but glad now, it turned out well. It did. But, but the adventures of Chris Kattan, what are the land of Chris... What's it called again? The... Settlers of... Settlers of Chris Kattan? The Settlers of Chris Kattan. <laughs> we have to do it. We have to do it. Oh, God. <laughs> it's Mango. Is there... And there has to be at some point when you're playing the game out of nowhere suddenly, Is this love? Baby, I'm wait. That has to come on, and we have to do that. Oh, head. yeah, no, there would be, like, buttons where you could touch, you know, you <laughs> right. those or whatever. Mango There'd comes like out. An, I'm Mango one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the guy that talks gibberish. You know, that, that character that he Oh, did. yeah. <laughs> oh, the little monkey. What was the monkey that he uh, was um, oh, wow, Peanuts, well, I can't or what was its no, name? No, 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 no. Um, oh, shit. And uh, and the, one of the greatest episodes ever was when Rocky Rock, uh, the Rock was his father. Um, oh yeah, Mr. Peepers, <laughs> Mr. Peepers, Mr. Peepers, Mr. Peepers, Mr. Peepers, come on! Oh goodness, yes. the settlement, the set, the settlement of Chris Kattan. Oh, there you go. That's a game right there. Well, board games. Now I'm, uh, you know, I, I guess similarly, um, board games were they they were in our our place. In our house, but I'm an only child, mm-hmm. and so when I played them, it was usually just with my parents, sometimes with my friends. So the board game thing with like a family and friends like that, stuff like that, wasn't a huge part of my childhood, but I did love board games. Um, okay. And there have been some weird ones. Like, for instance, are you looking at some of these? Um, like, I Well, one, do you have pictures for them? No. For some reason, the images okay. did not pop up. I wish they did. Okay, so the the only one that does, though... Is the title like that they put on the cover, yeah. which is the Bigfoot game, right. and just the look on Bigfoot's face—he's such a friendly. I didn't, I didn't expect him to be so friendly. Well, you saw Harry in the. I Hendersons. like that he's. I know this isn't Harry. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's like a family member of Harry's. Right, Harry's right? buddy. Yeah, because this is this is to believe that there is more than one Bigfoot. I would think. Right. Bigfoot big is kind of like the big feet, the right. the species, and right. then there's many big feet, many big feet. <laughs> no, but he's he's so like kind of like happy and like nurturing these three kids in the game, right? As they play the Bigfoot, they they giant they're all, snow monster game. It's just a board game. Looks like a regular board game. They've got it looks like a thing mm-hmm. for dice where you're rolling dice, and the kids are having a fantastic time. And big ass Bigfoot's right there, like hovering over them, smiling. 
Yeah, he's very like, mm, I'm happy you're having fun. I'm glad that you're not trying to kill me like everybody else. Right? Yeah. Now, I, how do, about... I, do like, I do like this game, though. Just looking at the board, you can't really see detail. Yeah. But I do like that the, the big moving piece is just giant, like, Bigfoot. Right. You are thing Bigfoot. That you move around. I like you... I like when they have, like, big um, moving pieces and stuff. Yeah, that's always fun. Hey, what were you when you played Monopoly? What were you? Did you have? Um, I think I was always the dog. You were the dog. Or the car. And yeah. then I recently, I was doing a crossword puzzle, and I guess they changed one of the pieces. Yeah, they added one. It was a clue. Yeah, they added they changed one. changed the, the dog out. Yeah, they and I think they added one as well, like a like a modern one. I think they added like a I don't know like oh, a computer okay. or some shit to update it. And again, they have nine Probably. million. They have nine million different, you know, monopolies. They have like Simpsons monopoly. Oh yeah, where, you know where you could be like you know Lisa or you could be Bart or whatever. And they have like yeah. Sopranos monopoly where you could be like Tony or you could be you know Uncle Junior or Junior Uncle or whatever the hell is. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> big pussy. Big pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, yeah. I, Rome, I, forgot, gonna... I forgot about the boot. I yeah. Did, I always did like the boot. Yeah. I was the, uh, I'm trying to remember what I, I think I was the car for the most part. I think I was the car for the most part. My mom was always the okay. thimble. My mom was always the thimble for some reason. I don't know why. Very. That's a very motherly. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Um, my mom's not known for her sewing, but I guess, sure. <laughs> How about Town Dump? This is a oh. real game. It's available on eBay. Yeah, I don't... Um, here's what oh. they say about it. It's never too early to get a child used to playing with garbage. In this game, two players take turns winding up a miniature bulldozer that propels itself through pieces of trash and pushes them out of the way. The object appears to be uh, to clear out waste from your dump and into a rival's property, and that imparts a valuable lesson. Let your discarded trash become someone else's problem. A uh, good lesson. <laughs> that sounds fun, though, right? Doesn't it? Uh, again, big pieces. There you go. So yeah, yeah. But, um, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at uh, images, and you know, there's like a dump truck with a little garbage can on it there's cars it's very yeah there's a lot of like big pieces yeah play with, so you're you're in you're in for that i, I wonder it. oh it's it has a on the on the box it says with motorized action bulldozer yeah man all right so, come on how much is that i wonder how that's, much that's I'm going in. for i wonder how much that's going for on the ebays these things are probably because this is unfortunately from... the eBay does not have it, uh, or at least that link. Nineteen seventy-seven is when that one was out. Get a price. Woo! That's. I mean, I would think if you can, if you can find with yeah. all the pieces. Yeah. It's going to be. Hefty. I would say fifty. Wow. I would. How say. about how about Breaker One? Oh, here we go. Oh, you got one. Uh yes. So there's one. Uh, for thirty-three ninety-nine. Okay. There is also one for $74. Must be in better condition. So I'm sure this one with 33 bucks is probably missing something or something. Probably doesn't even have the bulldozer. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. I'd be like, I would be so sad. 
Because yeah, that's just like have... the big, gra- that's what you want. Right. No, you have nothing. You get it you home. You open the bulldozer. It from... Right. You open it from eBay and all it is is just the garbage. No bulldozer, just a bunch of garbage. Oh, no. Oh, Lynn, how dare these people charge $77. It says the bulldozer may uh, need fixing. Uh, it is a pullback and go, and it may just be jammed from little use over the year. Nope. Why are you trying to sell it to me for $77? Wow, no, that's that's really overpriced. That's just unfair. And that's a buy it now. Like, it's the, Oh, okay. You can't haggle. All <laughs> right. That's the, that's, that's the price. Ridiculous. <sighs> Okay. Well, so we're not going to get, we're not going to be able to afford town dump. <laughs> no. How about breaker one nine? Um. So that's breaker one driving, nine. right? It's that's driving. the CB truckers game from 1976. Oh. And for those of you who weren't around in 1976, and you were one of those people, uh, there was a period of time where uh, everything was CB related, trucking and CBs. Uh, we just celebrated the other day was the 45th anniversary of the release of Smokey and the Bandit, which came out in 1977. And that movie, oh, along okay. with the CB craze and Convoy, everybody had a CB. Everybody was like, yo, 10-4, good buddy. Everybody knew the jargon and shit. And for about two years in the 70s, everybody was a goddamn CB expert, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'll tell you right now, this game looks disappointing. What do you mean? <laughs> Why? Uh, well, there's nothing, like, I was thinking there'd be a little fake CB radio. At least, like, a little square that you could talk into. There's none of that. None of that? It's a lot of, it's it's just a lot of cardboard stand-up pieces and a pair of dice and some fake money. Well, see, you know, that's that's one of those cheap uh, things yeah. from, this, from that time period that was taking advantage of the fad. Because everything, Esmeralda, everything oh, yeah. was CB. Everything. Yeah, it was like boring. Before disco took over, everything was CB. So it went from CB, yeah, good buddy, you know, to disco. Those were the th- <laughs> those were the huge, huge fads in the seventies. Everybody was wearing. Yeah. Everybody had a pet rock, wore mood rings, and said ten four, good buddy. <laughs> well, according to this website, a board game a day, their verdict is that it is very boring. Slow, boring based fetch game. Okay. Fetch game? Yeah, because you got to, like, get stuff because you're a, okay. C- you know, you're a truck driver. So then yeah. you go around the board uh, and you, you pick they, up your ergo. You know what they need to do? They need to stop trying to make fetch a thing. That's what they, that's what they need to do. <laughs> Sorry, that was a, that's a Mean Girls reference uh, for people who might not know. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I've seen that movie a few times. Whew, all right. Uh, I think I broke my ass. All right. um, How about a day with Ziggy? Now, I guess Ziggy, the the comic strip, the little bald dude. Yeah, that fat little man. He is like, here's what it says. He's a man, I think. And isn't he always like working in offices? Like, isn't every comic strip going, why is the copy machine not working, Ziggy? Isn't that what? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that like every... Blaming Ziggy. (laughs) Hey, Ziggy. I think you need to go to HR. (laughs) The the secretaries have a complaint about you. Um, Ziggy. Poor Ziggy. Um, Well, here's what it says. Ziggy, if you want to play a board game, a day with Ziggy, 
in a uh, medium full of bland, inoffensive content, Ziggy might be the blandest, most inert comic strip of them all. The pimple-shaped, pantsless, sad sack. Jesus. First appeared in 1971. Wow, he's that old. Ziggy's been around since 71? And uh, garnered enough notoriety for licensed products. um, uh, So licensed products. Like the strip, the game is unburdened by any complications like ideas. Players simply roll the dice and move forward or backward. (laughs) That's it. Uh, yeah, it looks, so there's some on eBay, and it looks, there's like a clock? Uh It's just like, that's the board, is a clock. And then I guess you go around it. (laughs) And that's it. That's it. Oh, Ziggy. All right. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's like a weird looking dude. He is. He's a pimple-shaped, bald, pantsless, sad sack, according to this. (laughs) He's kind of weird. He's he just wears a giant shirt, no pants. Right, right. <laughs> How about Ziggy? And yeah, his game is just as boring as he is. What are they charging for it on eBay? Uh, we have it ranges from twenty four to fifty four. Jesus Christ, who's gonna pay fifty four dollars for a Ziggy? Oh, someone's game? got a someone got one for a hundred. It's strapped. Oh. It says oh. brand new. Brand new. Wow. Okay. All right. How about Feely Mealy from 1967? Boy, this sounds weird. Um, With the success of Twister in 1966, which, by the way, is a game I hate. Twister. Yeah. Is it because you can't reach all the things? It's yeah, it's that. And I never I don't like I'm not real big on like being close to people like that. You know what I mean? I don't want to be, uh, okay. you know, unless it's like someone, I, you know, like a like, you know, if it's like a girl that I really like or something. But I don't want to be rolling around with my friends like I don't want that. I don't want, you know, one of my friends, you know, nut sacks to be pressed up against my ear. I don't need that in my life. Wow. <laughs> You like Game Twister? Turn. You, you like Twister? Uh, I think I've maybe only played once or twice. Yeah. You know, as as much as, as the popularity of Twister, not has Twister. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, well, let's try. Let's see what Feely Mealy. It says in uh, the party games, Milton Bradley went nuts on party games because Twi- Twister is another one of those party game things. In Feely Mealy, players are asked to draw a card describing an item and then fumble around in a dark box to see if they can retrieve it. While the game came with props like small forks and plastic animals, it's also inc- it, has, it encourages players to add their own. For households with cruel siblings, it's hard to imagine that they didn't include bugs sometimes. So you got to reach your hand into a dark oh. box. So yeah, you could really feely yeah, mealy. That's, that's a little. So they do that, don't they? Do that on uh, Jimmy Fallon. It is a Fallon. It is a Fallon thing. You reach in and touch. Something that's in a box, but the audience can see it, but mm-hmm. but Jimmy and his guest can't. Right. And, and the only uh, reason I know that is because uh, I watched Jimmy Fallon and, uh, you know, in protest when he has good guests on, you know. Right. <laughs> because I, I like there are, he has get like he has like people like Elizabeth Moss come on that show and I have mm-hmm. to watch it because of her. And then inevitably they're going to like, you know, all right, it's time to play Eat My Ass or whatever stupid games <laughs> they play. So, yeah. Yeah, that's one of them you reach in. I don't know if I'd want to play that game to reach in. Would you? Would, would that freak you out, not knowing what was in a box and reaching um, in? 
I mean, these are okay pieces of plastic. Yeah, it's it plastic. would would take a whole other meaning if mm-hmm. you were pulling in whatever you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like if your brother, if your older brother was like, knows that you don't like, like for instance, you're not crazy about the those stick bugs. What if your brother threw a stick bug in there and you had to, and you yeah. Although that would be insane because it would be moving around, right? Unless you get a dead one, which seems even crueler. Yeah, but it would be (laughs) moving around. Moving around in there, yeah, Mm -hmm. I would. I'd probably immediately freak out and kill your brother away. Yes. (laughs) Oh man! All right. Well, no feely mealy. I don't care about feely mealy. No, thank you. How about Rodney Dangerfield's no respect game? Wow. Uh, a friend of mine had that. My friend Joe. Hey, listen. I love really? Rodney. Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield is the fucking best. So he had it. He bought it as a joke. Did you um, play? I did, and we had a great time with it actually, because it was so ridiculous. Because it was just an imit- it was just basically uh, a reason for us to do imitations of Rod. Hey, let's play that game. Let's play that game. Ho! Oh! I'll tell you, my wife, She's uh, her cooking is so bad, it killed me. Or whatever. <laughs> so what is it? I'm looking it's, at a picture, and it just looks like, um, like a of like, I want to say cribbage or it's, mancala it, or like I'm, one of those, like I, with the little yeah, dots. It's like a tile game. I, I'm trying to remember what it was. It, it, it wasn't very specific. Like the game itself was not very Rodney Dangerfield specific, but they had like pictures of him and jokes and shit. But it was like a a basic Mm -hmm. variation of a tile game. You know what I mean? If I remember correctly. Yeah, so it's so I'm looking at the picture, it's it's essentially like a circle, like a bullseye. Right. And then offshoots that are like strips with little circles and then the pieces are little circles that I'm assuming you put these little circles on the yes. board. Yes. They all have numbers. Right. So um is so they would have so like do you remember? I just remember I remember that there were Rodney pictures of Rodney and that the I don't remember mm-hmm. the object of the game at all. I remember that we would drink and play it. Um <laughs> and that we would Yeah all there's go... there's a, a few pictures like on, on the board and that seems to be it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure he got his money. So and they have, but they have like the, they had Rodney jokes in it. Like they were oh, like nice. Yeah, I mean, so they like, have to give you a little more, a little extra. They do. So they had like Rodney. Look, when I was a kid, my yo-yo, I played with my yo-yo, and my yo-yo never came back. Oh, like that, <laughs> that kind of thing. But yeah, Joe, yeah. My, my my old buddy Joe. Uh, oh yeah, heaven and earth was a real fucking treat, which is what he said to Oliver Stone's face, uh, which is my favorite. <laughs> Uh, that and Al Jorgensen. Uh, what the hell happened after that first album? Uh, <laughs> but he had it because he was obsessed with Rodney Dangerfield. So he had the game. And, you know, mm-hmm. when he brought it, he said, hey, man, listen, I brought, the, I got the goddamn Rodney Dangerfield game. It's going to be the best. And then we kind of opened it up and we were like, what, the, what is it? You know, so when you have a, yeah. when you're when you're drinking, you know, you're having some beers and you're playing the game and everybody around the table is doing Rodney imitations. It's fun. But as a game itself. It's almost as good as the hunt for Chris Kattan or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it seems very simple. Yeah. Like they literally were like, Rodney, do a game. Rodney, just give you us some. Nothing. Nothing. Just give us some pictures. We'll take a bunch of pictures of you, you know, sweating and yanking on your tie. Oh, I'll tell you, I can't take it. Then put that in there <coughs> and we'll do the rest. Because we'll, do you know, are those like, do you remember where the jokes 
They were no, they were. I, you know I mean, what I, I mean? Like, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember you if probably they were probably had heard them before. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure we have. I mean, like, you know, like everybody has heard Rodney's jokes a million times, but but yeah. right. So it's not like know. it's like fresh new. Jokes. No. Hey, new material from Rodney. If they put that game out now, new material from Rodney. He's been dead for twenty years, but I could still tell a joke. Whoa! Yeah, that would be. <laughs> Remember the movie where he coached the girls' soccer team? Oh, Ladybugs? Was yeah. that? Yeah. Was it Ladybugs? <laughs> Ladybugs. Oh, God. God, Rodney. Ugh. Oh, man. Um, I'm a big fan of Easy Money. That's my favorite. I know a lot of people love Back to School. I like Back to School. You've seen Back to School with Rodney? Uh, I have, yeah. Now, you're, do you remember I one of the great... I think that was uh, usual on Comedy Central. <laughs> All the time. Now, what, do, you want, you, do you remember one of the greatest cameos in the history of film is in that movie? Is in Back, Back to School? Oh, no. No, I'm not familiar. Kurt Vonnegut's in that, because because he's got to do a he's got to do a book report. I mean, he's rich, so he gets Kurt Vonnegut to show up to do his book report for him. He had to do a book report on I don't know Slaughterhouse Five or something, and he brings in Kurt, the real <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut's in the wow. movie. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, okay, one more here, and then we got to try our booger lollipops. Yes. Let's be safe. That that sounds like a lot of fun, huh, Esmeralda? <laughs> oh, sure. Let's be what safe. They? Let's be safe. This is from 1986. This was at a time when everybody was trying to be safe. You know what I mean? Because like, uh, uh, in 19, 1986 was right, right around the peak of sort of like uh, a safe sex. You know what I mean? And everything. And, and there was mm-hmm. also like, you can't listen to music. That has bad lyrics, so there was the warning. Everything was being safe, and you know, uh, so that that was right in, 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 during the during the Reagan era when everything had to be safe. So I'm not surprised that uh, that in 1986. What's, what? What do you, you did you uh, see an image of? Let's Joan be safe? London. Oh no! Yeah, Joan London is on the cover of the box. No, really? Yeah, uh, it says. Uh, it says, "Let's be safe." Uh, wait, let's be safe. Yeah. Oh, it is also a French. A French it's version like of Let's Be Safe? Cover. So it says, well, it says, let's be safe. And then next to it, Swas Prudent. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess means let's be safe in French. In French. Uh, no, but it says featuring Parents Guide by T. Person, yeah. Joan London. Joan London. Host of Good Morning America. Here's what it says on the, in this in description here that I have, Esmeralda. When it's time yes. to put away homework and settle in for some recreational time with a board game, the first thing kids look to do <laughs> is something with a lecture. Let's Be Safe disguises itself as a fun diversion, but before the children realize what's happening, the game is cleverly imparting you lessons of how to, uh, to cross the street safely and a stranger danger, and the first person who makes it home in one piece wins. <laughs> oh, wow. So you, you, you got kidnapped. <laughs> You're out. Oh my God! You I'll end up by that strange dog. You end up on a milk carton. You lose. Oh no! <laughs> Thank yeah, you. So jo- the, the cover. The cover says <laughs> the fun way to alert your child to dangers at home oh. and in the neighborhood. We have to get it. We have to order it. How much is? Because goddamn oh, Joan God. London. Oh man, let's stay safe. Well, this That's one is the- forty. Oh. It might be uh, worth it, Esmeralda. There is one it's for just... there is one for twenty eight. Okay. 
Uh, I'm curious how they handle when you lose. You get killed. They actually you when you lose, yeah. You end up dead. That I'm like when you lose, you literally are seen or get yeah taken get, by a a stranger. Stranger uh, danger. Maybe yeah, no. a dog eats you. I think I really think that at the end they should just like you should your picture should be on the side of a milk carton. That's how it should. That's how it should end. <laughs> wow, Joan that London. Oh, all right. Uh, well, that's cool. We still have a few more of these. Maybe some other time we can bust out some of these because these are hilarious. Yeah, and maybe we can order some at some point. Hey, mm-hmm. by the way, really quickly, Esmeralda, you know how we want to we want to go to Arby's and try the new burger. Yes. Um, I was downtown, and I think the Arby's that we're talking about, if we go, we have to go during business hours because it's in the loop, and you know everything shuts down. Right. So if we yes. go, we've got to go like <laughs> we've got to go before like 2 in the afternoon because everything yes. will shut down. We so. have to go during business hours. During that business hours. Funny. So, I know, yes, business hours. <laughs> we can't um, break in. No, we can't Arby's bust in and start hamburgers. slicing up start slicing up beef. <laughs> All right. Uh, the weird candy. We tried booger, chewy yes. booger, which we liked. We liked boogers. Yeah, they're delicious. Now let's box. try the booger lollipop. This is from Melville. That's the name of the candy company, mm-hmm. Melville, uh, mm-hmm. M-E-L-V-I-L-L-E, Melville. And it's just the booger lollipop. And there are chunks of boogers inside, which I don't know if we're going to be able to get to without busting yeah, it I'm open. Gonna try, I'm going to try to break it in half. Okay. So don't hurt yourself. Well, please, please don't hurt yourself. My feats I don't wanna... of strength. I'm going to, I will suck on this for, uh, well, uh, there you go, out of context if you're still playing at home. I will start sucking on the booger lollipop. It's a booger lollipop. It's supposed to be the booger blast of apple. Yes. All right. So I'll try that out. Now, are you going to try and bust no, it? To see... Oh, <laughs> I heard something crack. Okay. <laughs> so I cracked it. I don't okay. know if I got to any of the booger. Okay, I'm tasting it. Uh huh. Okay, mm. here we go. Well, I can tell you this: it tastes good. It's an apple lollipop. It's like a sour apple lollipop, and it's good. Now, have you gotten? Because there are chunks of boogers inside it. Yeah, I. Uh... That you have to suck to get to. <laughs> yeah, I'm attempting to get to it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just say it's hardened as well. Like it's not it's not going to be like a soft bit. Oh, it's not like a chewy booger. It's a hard booger. It's one that's been I think Yeah, it's just a piece of can. It's just can. It's not like gooey okay. or anything. Which is that's disappointing. I was hoping it would have been gooey. That would have been fun. No gooey. Okay, so this is disappointing, but it is it does taste like it tastes like an apple flavored Jolly Rancher. It's like a big don't you think? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as good as a Jolly Rancher. But it's in that it ballpark. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The booger might be like milky tasting. I don't know. I wasn't able to like crack it in half, like get right to the booger. Right. <laughs> I feel like I cracked it and it's just like on the edge. So I can't yeah. really. All right. Well, it, it's not bad. A booger lollipop tastes like an apple lollipop. Okay. Yeah, hey, it's okay. Uh, uh oh, my dad. Hold on. Oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. No, and no, Carrie. I love Nick's show. No, this is a different thing here. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What I say? 
It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tell a joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Here we go. All right. Okay, Asma, are you ready for my dad's joke? He's here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dad, tell it. Why were the strawberry crying? His mom was in a jam. Don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so that cute. was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Yeah, that was sweet. The poor strawberry. That was stra- adorable. Oh, the poor strawberry. <laughs> He's in a jam. Was he on NYPD Blue? <laughs> Because they were jammed up. They all jammed up. Not only that, we, oh, the they poor were strawberry. always talking about getting jammed up. He would have been, you know what? The <laughs> strawberry would have been okay. His mom would have been okay if she would have just had Joan London's board game. She would have been fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when she wouldn't right. have gotten jammed up. Would not have got jammed up. All right. <laughs> hey, my thanks to uh, Dan Feinberg, Talking TV. Esmeralda, you rule. Uh, next time uh, that you and I uh, hang oh, out together, we'll be taking some tests with uh, Slap Slapley. Uh, thank you to, uh, to Ed and everybody at uh, Radio Misfits, Jason Skaggs, uh, the Radio Misfits uh, Podcast Network, radiomisfits.com. Rate and review us on any platform. Voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and uh, a new episode uh, will be coming on uh, Friday right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you.